Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. How would you respond if a prophet of the Lord approached you and said you're sick and this sickness will bring about very soon your death? Would you pray to God, God, allow me to live? I don't want to die. I don't want to live this world at this time. Give me a few more years. Or would you say, well, it's the prophet of the Lord telling me this. Therefore, I will accept it. I will give thanks to God for the time that I've had. Of course, I'll miss my family and my friends, but I'm going into the kingdom of God. How would you respond to news that you were going to die? Well, what we're going to do in this study is to look at a very significant person in the Bible. I'm speaking about King Hezekiah. Now, for the most part, in fact, up until now and even in this passage, Hezekiah is a man of God that did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. The question we have to ask ourselves is, he's going to hear this news that he's going to die. We're going to see that he's going to pray intensely that he's given more time. And what we're going to see next week is what did he do with that time? Was it good that he lived longer or should he have simply praised God for the life, the opportunities, how he was able to serve God and accept this prophetic proclamation that it was time for him to die. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to Isaiah chapter 38. Now, this is going to be the foundation. What we learn today and what we learn next week is going to give us a foundation for simply accepting what God says not trying to negotiate, not trying to change the plans of God, but simply whatever God says, this, except why? Because when we look at his words to us from a kingdom perspective, we're going to see that always, and I mean just that, always the word of God is good. His purposes, his plans what he wants from my life is what is best, best for his will and best for my life. Don't argue with God. Don't try to change things, but simply submit to the revelation of God. I truly believe, based upon what we're going to study next week, that if Hezekiah had done that, it would have been 
a better result. So let's begin Isaiah chapter 38, beginning with verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became sick, and it says sick to death. So as we read in the New Covenant, there is a sickness, a sickness unto death, meaning this, that, that God has allowed for one to become sick, and that sickness is going to lead to death. Healing is not going to come. Now, this is how chapter 38 begins. He has a sickness unto death. And notice it says that Isaiah went unto him, and Isaiah the son of Amos the prophet. And he said to him, Thus said the Lord. Now, it's significant that, that Hezekiah is hearing previously before he feels bad, before anything else. He receives a prophetic proclamation that he is going to become sick and that sickness is going to lead to death. So he says here in the prophet speaking to the king, he says unto him, Thus said the Lord. The next word is a word for command. And the implication is command your house, which means set your house in order. Now, in one sense, Hezekiah is being given a blessing. God is telling him in advance, your life is coming quickly to an end. You're going to become sick, and that sickness is going to bring about your death. And here's an opportunity to set things in order, to do the things that that have been left undone, do the things that you want to accomplish before you die, say the things to those people that you need to say. Utilize this opportunity before your life comes to an end. Now, a wise thing to do would simply say, thank you, God. I praise you. I am going to do what you say, setting my life in order before I die. But notice what happens as we continue to read. At the end of verse, verse 1, he says, Set your house in order, for you are dead, and you will not live. Now, the last part of that verse is there to emphasize. It makes it emphatic. You are a dead man. You are not going to live. This is the word of the Lord. But notice what we see in verse 2. We see an unwillingness in Hezekiah to accept that. He did not want to die. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed unto the Lord, verse 3. And he says, Anna, which is a term of, of beseeching. It's a very polite form of making a request. We might translate it, please, please, O Lord. And then notice he goes back to how he lived before this. He says, God, please, how I walked before you. Meaning, remember this. I want to remind you, God, how I have walked before you 
in truth and in a a heart of of completeness meaning a heart that was completely given over to your will and the good in your eyes i have done so he puts before god a testimony of his faithfulness of his commitment how he has lived over the years and after saying that we read and hezekiah cried a great weeping so here's this man of god who has been faithful who has indeed a powerful testimony and he hears that he's going to die shortly and he prays before god reminding god of how faithful he was and he was just that he was one who walked in the goodness according to the will of god and now he's a broken individual he is crying a a a great crying a great weeping verse 4 and it came about the word of the lord to isaiah saying verse 5 go and say to hezekiah thus says the lord the god of david your father now we have to ask ourselves why this is a unique expression the lord the god of david your father we don't see that much it's rare and what is the implication well david was a man who desired greatly to worship god we know that one of the things that david wanted to do before he died was to build that house of the lord because of of his hands stained with the shedding of blood he was not allowed to do that david accepted that and he assembled everything that would be needed to build that house of god the temple in jerusalem for solomon his son david submitted to this david also was a man that received a special covenant that messiah the son of david would come from him in order to bring about the kingdom so many of the rabbinical scholars they see that this expression the god of david your father should have been a hint to hezekiah you need to be kingdom minded i'm going to as we'll see in a moment i'm going to give you a unique amount of time an additional period of years and therefore you need to as david be committed to that covenantal promise of a coming messiah who was going to establish a kingdom look again at verse 5 isaiah is told go and say to hezekiah thus said the lord the God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I am, and there's a word for adding. I am going to, to give an additional amount of your days. And then he says, 15 years. Now, 15 is kind of a unique number in in judaism in jewish culture 
Because, as most of you know, you can use numbers or letters. And these letters can also be understood as numbers. So, historically, in biblical times, there was no numbers by themselves but rather only the letters were used. And even to this day, when you go and open up a Hebrew Bible, chapters are letters. Verse numbers are as well letters. And the number 15, when used with letters, Hebrew letters, it's yud Hey, 15. But we never write it that way. Because yud Hey would be Yah, the name of God, in a bridge formed of that yud Hey vav Hey, the first and the last letter. So traditionally, in not writing, when we write the number 15 with letters, to not write the name of God, we substitute Tet-Vav, same number 15, but it does not spell the sacred name of God. But 15, it speaks about the name of God. And most, again, scholars see it's significant that 15 years was given to him. These 15 years, this all speaks about him supposedly living this additional time for the sake of Yah, for the sake of the Lord. What, what God's concern, his will is. So he says here, I'm going to add an additional 15 years to your life. Verse 6. And not only that, remember the context. There's an enemy, and that enemy is Assyria. We saw last week in our study that the king of Assyria was put to death by his sons, that, that God moved to bring deliverance, and he's reminding him, from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will save you, meaning not just under Sanherif's leadership, but Assyria is not going to at all attack Judah. It is not going to be the nation that carries the people off into exile. No, there's a reprieve of any attack from the enemy during the life of Hezekiah and over the period of time, immediate period of time after him for several kings. So he says, from the hand of the king of Assyria, I will deliver you. And this city, I will defend this city, meaning Jerusalem. So God has said, I've been good to you. I'm going to do good to you in the future. And Above all, I've heard your prayer, your great weeping. I've seen your tears, and I'm going to give you 15 more years of life. Verse 7. And this for you is a sign from the Lord that he will do, that the Lord will do this thing which he has spoken. Verse 8. Behold... The shadow of the dial. Now, this is a sundial. So he says, Behold, I am going to bring back 
the shadow of the sundial which has already gone down. On the sundial of Ahaz, so not just anyone, but on the sundial of King Ahaz, Ahaz in Hebrew. For the sun is going to go backward 10 degrees. The sun is going to return 10 degrees from the sundial, which has already gone down. So he's going to give him a miraculous sign that what he's saying to him is going to happen. That go look at the sundial of King Ahaz, and you're going to see a miracle happen. The sun and that shadow that the sun casts, it's all going to go back 10 degrees. No man could cause this. No human being, no earthly explanation, only God. And this is to confirm that Assyria is not going to, to bother Judah and that Hezekiah is going to be given those 15 years. And again, those 15 years, the number 15 is related to the name of God. So what he's saying to Hezekiah is, I'm going to bless you. You're not going to have enemies. There's not going to be opposition. You're going to have the opportunity in these 15 years to demonstrate my presence, my purposes, everything that I've done in your life. Now this is the opportunity to carry out my will in these additional 15 years. Verse 9. Now, when we get to verse 9, there's a change. From verses 1 through 8, we've been dealing with a narrative, a story being told to us. But in verse 9, we find that the first word here is a word for a writing, a letter. So now we're going to see that Hezekiah, he in the midst of this weeping, in the midst of being so dejected over the news that he's going to die, he wrote something down. Now, we know he is going to be given an additional 15 years, that God is going to not bring about this sickness. But at the time of this writing, that's not the case. So it's very important that we understand how the scripture is utilizing this writing of Hezekiah, it takes us back into the mindset of Hezekiah when he was upon his, his face towards the wall, when he was weeping bitterly, when he was so sad and dejected over his, his imminent death. This is what he wrote down. Look now to verse 19. Miktav, a letter, a writing of Hezekiah, the king of Judah, when he became sick and he lived, meaning he recovered, he was healed, but it literally says, Vayechi, and he lived from his sickness, meaning his sickness did not, in fact, bring about his death. So this is the introduction of this writing that he wrote when he found out that he was sick, and when he found out that he was going to be healed. Verse 10. I have said in the, and this next word, the me, 
it's a word for for silence or being stilled. Some Bibles will translate it for for being cut off or coming coming to an abrupt end, and that's fine. But just so you know, it's a word for silence or still, nothing going on. And that's what he's saying about his life. I heard that my life was going to come to an end. Be still, be silent. It was not going to continue. Verse 10, I have said in the stillness, the quietness, the cutting off of my my days. I will go. If your days are cut off, he says, I will go to the gates of Sheol. Now, Sheol, I mentioned this previously, Sheol is a place that dead ones, when one would die, and this is prior to the resurrection and the ascension of Messiah. Messiah is the firstborn. He takes preeminence in, in all things. So there's a difference. Prior to the work, the ministry of Yeshua, when people died, no matter who they were, they would go into Sheol. But we need to remember, biblically, according to the book of Luke and other writings outside the Bible, Sheol had two compartments. One known as Gehinom, which is hell, a place of fire, torment, punishment, suffering. And the other one was known as Chek Avraham, also called paradise. And this was a place of just that, of paradise. Now, what determined where one went? Now, here again, this is before the gospel message. This is before the ministry of Yeshua. If one believed like Abraham in the promises of the Abrahamic covenant, that God was going to send the seed of Abraham, Messiah, the Redeemer, in order to deal with our sins. If we had a hope in that, and we live prior to Messiah's death, burial, and resurrection, and his ascension, if someone would die with that type of faith, I believe in a Redeemer, they would go to Chek Avraham into paradise. Remember what Yeshua said to the one on the cross, the, the one who repented from the things that he had previously said, that one one thief, that one murder. Yeshua said, I tell you the truth, today you will be in paradise. That's Chek Avraham, because he had accepted Yeshua as the Redeemer. So those who believed in a Redeemer prior to Messiah's death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, they would go to Chek Avraham. Those who did not believe that there was a Redeemer, did not accept the covenant that God made with Avraham and the implications, they would go to, to Yehinom, that place of torment within Sheol. Now here, Hezekiah is just speaking of Sheol in a general sense, the place that dead people went. So he writes, Verse, verse 10, I have said, when my days are silent, when they are cut off, I will go to the gates of Sheol. And then we have the word pukadaditi. 
This is the word for being visited, either for good purpose or punishment. And here he's talking about, well, this is a punishment, my death. So he's talking about him being punished. And the implication is that's another expression for the, the years, the rest of his years being cut off. That he's not going to experience the fullness of life. Now, this has told many that Hezekiah, when he was told that he was going to get sick and die, he wasn't some old man. He was still relatively young. And therefore, he's saying here, God has visited me, he's punishing me, and the, the rest of my years, I'm not going to experience. Verse 11, I have said, I will not see, yeah, this is that same, if we just look at it, it's 15. Yud, hey, Yud is the letter for 10. Hey is the letter for five. So this gives kind of an indication about this 15 relating to the Lord. So he says, once again, verse 11, I have said, I will not see Yah, that is the Lord, the Lord in the land of the living. I will not look again upon men in the, the, with the inhabitants of the world, meaning his presence, his ability to see, to perceive, to have a consciousness of what's going on in this world, it's all coming to an end. This is what he is implying in verse 11. Now verse 12. Dori. Dor is generation. So we're talking about a time. It has a first-person singular possessive pronoun. So it's my generation, meaning his time, his lifespan. It says, my generation is, is traveling, is passed away. He's coming to the end. And he says, it's being removed from me. Being rolled up is another way that we can translate this word. It's being rolled up from me as a shepherd's tent. So as a shepherd is traveling on, what does he do? He rolls up his, his tent and he carries it to the next place. So, so Hezekiah is just giving an idiom that was known in that day. Rolling up the shepherd's tent, meaning he's passing on to another place. That's what he's saying here. My age, my life expansion of time is coming to an end. I'm going to move on like a shepherd rolls up his tent. And it says, as here, as cut off the weavers, uh, as a weaver, my life from the loom that is cut off. So he's saying in the same way that when a weaver is done weaving, he removes that, that, that homer, that, that strings, that thread, that cloth from the, the weaver's tool, that loom. He takes it away. He doesn't leave that, that thread, that, that straw um, um, string upon the object. He takes it away. In that same way, 
Hezekiah is saying, my life is being taken away. It's being cut off. I'm coming to an end. And then he says, from day until night, he, he is bringing me to the end. Now, the word here for end is the same word for shalom. And shalom has to do with peace, but a, a completion, a bringing to an end. Shalom is when the will of God is fulfilled. It's been done completely. It comes to its end, and there's an outcome from that obedient act. What it's saying here is the day and nights, his days and nights are over. He's coming to the end. Verse 13. I have cried out unto the morning. And here it means all night long he has cried out unto the morning, and he's cried out like a lion. He's roared. Thus my, my bones, the very foundation of his life, is, is all broken. From day until night, same expression. Uh, uh, you have brought me to and in my completion. There's no more. Verse 14. Now, we have two words, and these two words that are here refer to two different types of birds. So the exact origin, the type of bird, we do not know. I believe some say a, a crane for one and a sparrow for the other. It's just not clear what type of birds we're referring to. But as bird one and as bird two, thus I will chirp. Now, many times birds, they make noise when they want something. And he's saying, just like these birds, chirp, 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 wanting something, trying to communicate, this is what he has done. And as a dove, now this is when a dove, you usually see a pair of doves. And when one dies, that, that one that's left alive just doesn't go on, but it mourns. It goes over, it stays for a significant period of time with its, its mate. Mourning, and that's what it's saying here. I will mourn, and it means I will, will meditate. I will pay close attention as a dove. And then he says how his, his eyes are, have grown weak from looking up on high. That he's prayed and prayed and looked to God for a response. Now again, this is reminding us what Hezekiah did in the midst of hearing these news, this news that he's going to become sick and died, how he responded. He said, Lord, uh, um, I have been oppressed. You have oppressed me, O Lord. And now he's saying, get involved with me. Do something. Get back in my life. Do something to change this situation. Verse 15. What why speak? He has said to me, and he has done. I will go forth. What will go forth? All my years. And, and the bitterness of my soul. So he's saying here that he is bringing forth, he's expressing all his years, his life, 
and the implication is the, the shortness of them and the bitterness that he's now feeling that all his life now because he's going to die it's as though his life has been a, a bitter experience now he's not remembering how God has used him the great things that God has done through him the changes the godly changes that he had brought about in Judah how he has been a man of faith and a testimony what he has accomplished in these years all of this is being forgotten and it's turned into bitterness unto him this is what he's saying unto the Lord verse 16 now verse 16 is a a difficult verse to understand it says O Lord concerning these they live now what he's saying here is that people men live to experience all these things not bitterness but other things and then he goes on to say and and for all of these is the life of my spirit meaning all these things I want to as well when he says spirit it's his self all these things of life what life consists of I want to experience them I want to experience more of them in other words I'm not ready to die I don't want to end my life at this time and he's prayed over and over and over and over that God would get involved in this situation and bring about a change now we know the outcome God has done that we've already been told that but beginning in verse 9 there's a re repeating of how Hezekiah prayed what was his thought process during this and he says at the end of verse 16 you restore me you make me heal and give me life that I might recover so Hezekiah is is strongly petitioning God that he would not die but that he would recover verse 17 behold for peace now this word peace it's still the word shalom it's related to the will of God and he's saying here for peace for the will of God I have lived but what's he experiencing again he says to me is bitterness and the word bitterness appears twice he says bitterness is to me bitterness that's literally what it says but you and now there's a change we know that there's a change God has agreed to give him those 15 extra years and therefore Hezekiah says but you and this is a word for greatly desiring something having a strong desire and he's speaking about God in this passage that God you have strongly desired desired something and that is that my life will be delivered from the pit of destruction now Hezekiah he believes in a Redeemer he's speaking to God but he also thinks that that when one dies how horrible it is why 
He knows that the Redeemer has not yet come and done his work. He knows that, that the kingdom is not going to be established yet. So he does not want to leave this world until there's a kingdom to go into. He's forgetting about this paradise, this place that, that the faithful go. So he says, but you have desired my life, that from the pit of destruction, the implication is to keep it from destruction, for you have cast behind my back all of my sins, he says. I'm a forgiven man. I should experience this, this outcome, this bitterness, this death. I want to experience the kingdom of God. Verse 18. For not Sheol. Now he's saying those who are dead, those who are in Sheol, he says, do they give thanks to you? That's the implication. Do they give you thanks and show? Can death praise you? He's saying, don't allow me to die. Because in death, you can't give thanks. You can't praise God. Now, literally, this is not the case. Those who were in Abraham's bosom, Chek Avraham, not in Gehinom, that place of hell, but in the other compartment, they could. But he's just seeing death in a general sense. They can't do it publicly. They can't do it in this world any longer. He says, there is no hope for those who go down to the pit. They are not hoping any longer for your truth. And truth here is being synonymous with the outcome of the promises of God. They're not going to see the kingdom being established. They are going to experience something else. Verse 19. Now, in the same way that in an earlier verse, we saw the word mar, bitter, two times. Now we're going to see the word chai, life. And it's simply to emphasize, he doesn't want that bitterness of death. He wants to experience life in this world. And therefore he says, look carefully, verse, verse 19 of, of chapter 38, chai, chai. He says, life. The ones who are experiencing life, and he uses that word twice, he's the one that gives thanks to you, like I do today, like me today. Now, Hezekiah is saying something. God, if you change your plans, you have deemed it comes through prophecy. You have deemed now that I'm going to become sick and die and come to the end of my life. But if you change that, then what am I going to do? He says, I'm going to give you thanks. He says, as a father to his sons, to his children, makes known of your truth. Now, be careful what we say when we're negotiating with God. First of all, don't negotiate with God. What God says, submit to it with thanksgiving and praise. Do not question what God says. Accept it in faith. 
But Hezekiah, he's begging, pleading for more time. And he says, God, if you give me this, this additional time, I am going to speak of your truth. I am going to give thanks to you, and I'm going to teach that next generation, the children, concerning your truth. Verse 20, Lord, and this is his final petition, the Lord is for my salvation. And because of that, remember, he already knows he's going to be healed. He says, we will, and some Bibles will say sing, but it's literally the word for playing instruments. Now, maybe singing accompanies it, but it says, we will, and the implication is, play music unto you all the days of our life at the house of the Lord. Now, this is going to be so significant for when we get into the next chapter, chapter 39. When Hezekiah is going to, and I'll give you an advance notice, he is going to use poorly those additional 15 years. He is not going to finish faithfully. Even though he's saying to God, God, I know, I know best. Your, your plan that I should die right now, change it. Give me more time and I will give thanks to you. I will be committed to praise you publicly, sing praises, make melody unto you, and I will instruct the next generation concerning your truth. So on light of that, he says, Oh Lord, save me. Well, God submits to this. And in the end, as we'll see next week, it is disastrous for Hezekiah. Even though Hezekiah was a king for the most part that walked faithfully with God, he did not finish well. And you're going to learn next week something about Hezekiah that is going to greatly surprise you. Notice verse 21. He just says, we're going to all the days of our life go to your house to praise you, to thank you, to make music unto your name. Verse 21. And Isaiah, he said, take up a lump of figs. Now, this would be figs that are, are almost now like a fig, fig jelly or jam. He says, take up this bunch of figs and spread it upon your, the word is shechin. Now, this is boil. So apparently that Hezekiah, at this time, he was having boils, much like Job much like that, that rich man in the account of Lazarus and the rich man that, excuse me, that, yeah, that Lazarus had upon his body. This is the same word for the plague that, that took place in Egypt, the boils that would, would, would cause such suffering. So Hezekiah is told here by Isaiah, take up a bunch of figs. Now, fig is uniquely related related to the people of Israel. Meaning, spread this all over your sores, all over your body. 
Your body is supposed to be dedicated for the children of Israel, for the purpose that God has with the nation of Israel. He says, take up this bunch of figs and spread it upon your boil and you will live. There will be life is what he says. You're going to recover. You're going to be healed. You'll have life. Verse 22. And Hezekiah said, What is the sign that I will go up to the house of the Lord? Well, it's already been revealed. This just tells us that the letter that he wrote, even though we know he's going to be healed, even though he's been told this letter was written as though he does not know, that he does not fully appreciate what God is going to do, how God is going to bring about healing. And it's so significant that figs were used in regard to that healing element. You have been healed for the fig tree for Israel. So the question we have to ask ourselves, is Hezekiah going to be one that speaks truth? Is he going to be one that gives thanks and praise to God? Is he going to worship God in the temple? Or is he going to not be faithful to God during those 15 years that God has given him? This passage underscores once more the necessity that we have to not argue try to negotiate, change the things of God, but humbly submit to them, praising Him because God's instructions are always perfect. Well, we'll close with that until next week when we read this all-important 39th chapter that concludes Isaiah's revelation concerning Hezekiah. Until then, shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.